Unpacking Chrysalis, the art of being human. Uh, hey, everyone. If you just hit play on this podcast, I want to thank you. It's our first go. Before we start, I should start by saying, if you don't know who I am, my name is Ryan Benoit. But most likely, if you work at Chrysalis, you know me as Benny. And that's fine. That's what everybody calls me. My friend Clayton here, probably going to call me Benny as well, or flip back and forth awkwardly between the two. Clayton, tell me who you are, where you're from, and what you're about. Well, that's a lot. I'm hey, a Benny. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Benny. Uh, thanks for uh, teeing me up there. You want me to talk about who I am. That's interesting. What, um, Pretend I've you didn't... never met you. Yeah, for the audience, uh, I'm Clayton. And uh, one of the interesting things about me is that uh, uh, I'm employee number eight at IQ Metrics. I've been here for a long time, but the reason I've been here for a long time is because I find this place quite fascinating. For me, to echo Clayton's first comment, what I find interesting about me is how interesting I find Clayton is when he talks to people that I work with. So I think it's great. Uh, when Clayton and I said we were going to start a podcast, a lot of people were like, well, what would that be about? And I don't know, to half quote The Office with Steve Carell, it's about the people. People never go out of business. And I think that we are struggling to find ways to connect with our coworkers. When I listen to you, Clayton, talk to people, I feel like I learn something about my coworkers and I get to connect with them at an hour each time, just in the easiest way possible. I learn something about someone that I work with and in turn, since I've been editing these, when I go into meetings with those people, I'm like, oh, I know you and I know about your story and who you are. And man, does it make interactions so easy because I hate small talk. Yeah, I think what this podcast uh, is partially attempting to do is is give us some space to pursue this art of being human and see how the people around us are doing that. If you're still listening, the first person you're going to learn about on today's podcast is actually me. And that's because I edit in part produce the podcast. So every time you tune in, I'll be at the beginning and the end of the podcast chatting with my pal Clayton about either what the podcast is about or what we learned, which is a fun little way to recap things if it gets too convoluted. So, again, perfect for someone like me. We might as well dive in. What are we talking about today? Well, in this podcast uh, about the people of Chrysalis, I always let the person being interviewed uh, choose the topic. And uh, in this case, uh, Benny, you chose cars. And uh, what's fascinating, I think, about uh, this, this narrative that emerges from our conversation is just uh, it's a great example of how this place is about people, interesting people, uh, quirky people, people who are nerdy about things, but it's just an authentic version of themselves. People can be authentically themselves. And this conversation really gets at that. It really exposes why I love this place. It's just full of people who are nerdy about things. Hey, Clayton, let me just interrupt you right there and say, mine's the exception because it's somebody who's really cool about things. Nah, I'm just playing. But with that, <laughs> why don't we just get to the podcast? People can take a listen and then uh, we'll be back at the end. So, yeah, you're going to listen to one conversation from Clayton and myself, which is this one, and then an old conversation from Clayton and myself, and then an entirely different conversation. So it's really meta. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll see you in like 40 some minutes, maybe 50 minutes. Yeah. All right. Check you on the flip side. Perfect. All right. I have my ritual where I drink beer when I talk about cars. So oh, yeah? drink beers and talk to Clayton. Here we go. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right. Well, welcome to the pod. Uh, today I'm joined by somebody who has turned his long time interest in cars and car culture into quite a bit more than just a hobby. Benny, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm okay. How are you doing, Clayton? I'm doing pretty great. <laughs> Looking forward to this uh conversation today you've got a pretty fascinating hobby that i'm looking forward to understanding a bit more so you got your beer there i can see and you're ready to rock sure do i'm all revved <laughs> up clayton pardon the pun <laughs> puns are 
Welcome. Hey, when we were preparing for this uh, podcast, Benny, you said we could talk about cars. And I was like, okay. And then I started thinking about it. And, you know, cars are uh, a complex topic. Uh, you know, they've got mechanics and machinery and aesthetic design and culture, even just more ephemeral things, how it makes a person feel, you know, what a car does for a person, the experiences you can have with a car. It's just this seminal moment for most of us. You know, you turn 16, you get your license and you get exposed to this level of freedom that is it's just kind of wild at that moment. I can still, I think about that actually and how endless the opportunities while just driving around town. And uh, anyways, so when you think about cars, Benny, what sorts of things come to mind? What are you thinking about when you say, hey, let's talk about cars, Lee? Whoa, it is funny because you labeled all these things and then you say like, hey, there's so many things you can talk about cars and yeah. you're absolutely correct. There are, and I've spent probably a good portion of my life, adult, no, I'd even say teenage life, trying to find mm -hmm. those things to talk about with people and then connecting with people that actually want to talk about it with me. Yeah. That was a tricky part, finding the community. So I think right. really, you know, there's the idea of, you know, what does a car mean? And yes, there's freedom. And I would even argue that that's probably changing for youth today. Mm. Maybe, you know, especially like, I wonder if my daughter, will ever drive a car, you know, if she'll yeah, yeah. want to. You live in she a big often... city, though, right? So it's changing for you. Yeah, you're yeah. In big, you're in Vancouver. I'm in Saskatchewan, yeah. man. We'll be we'll be driving cars until there aren't any left. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> that's what I want to hear. No, uh, yeah, no, my, uh, it's funny. My six-year-old, though, is like, when I grow up, I'll have your blue car, which is like my, my cool cool to me car probably not cool to everyone else uh and i'm like will you like will you want to drive it like i get stressed out driving it like it's pretty impractical but yeah so cars are a lot of things you know how everyone has three versions of themselves have you ever heard that clayton i have you yeah. know there's yeah there's probably like there's probably for clayton there's work clayton yeah dad clayton maybe yeah. like typewriter and hipster clayton you know <laughs> i'm right. not you know and yeah, so me, there's work me, which is Benny. Yeah. And then there's home me, which is Ryan. So the dad and the husband. Mm -hmm. And then there's car me, which is <clears throat> Ryan or Benoit. And so, yeah. yeah, I think cars are more than just, man, it is. It is a one third of who I am as a person, I think, yeah. to some degree. Yeah, that's wild. Why? Uh, I'd like to understand why they're so important to you. Like, and, but also, you know, at the same time, what impact does being around that car culture have on you? Man, why are cars so important to me? And you know, yeah. I love a good like rabbit hole, and I wonder. You know, I've tried to think about it, and I could say a lot of things about why cars are so important to me. Yeah. But it is really the the culture, the community. I don't know. I will say this. Growing up in Saskatchewan, I didn't play hockey. You know, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. I don't really know how to skate. I'm not super athletic. I don't have mm -hmm. all those things going for me. But when I was 12 ish, my older mm -hmm. brother was into cars. Yeah. Uh, into, and I should specify for everyone because uh, this could get very it's not all cars. I don't just like walk around and see a Mazda three and lose my mind. I exactly. love, I get you. I love like Japanese imports. Yeah. Uh, most people in like the most pedestrian way would be like, Oh, like the fast and the furious, which is right. the easiest way to explain it, but also the most infuriating because that's not <laughs> what that world is like. But, um, yeah. So, uh, Back then, in that time, and growing up in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, my brother was also not great at sports, and he got into cars. Uh, and yeah. this was around the dawn of of like people customizing import cars, like Hondas were all the rage. Yeah, you're uh, yeah, talking here. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where the shop was located, and you'll have a very good sense of this because I think Sweet. you'll really like this. Okay. So my brother uh, hung out with all these like guys that were super into import cars, and they ran a parts desk that sold aftermarket performance parts for import <laughs> cars. And it was called Mobile Accessories, <laughs> and it was based out of Mobile Technologies, which 
What? It's the reason that you and I know each other, Clayton. Is uh, you know what? Our fearless leader uh, ran uh, a car stereo shop, and he sublet yeah. some space to some guys that really liked to import cars. Wow. And that got my brother into it. And I don't know. I've always been a fairly like visual person. You yeah. see a way to express yourself and. Being a 12-year-old and just seeing, like, cars that look away that they're not supposed to look, yeah. you're immediately like, yo, that's rad. And then it took me probably <laughs> 12 years after that to figure out that not everybody cared as much as I did. Like, I yeah. spent a lot of time as my youth being like, hey, if you just saw what I saw, yeah, you'd you'd love it as much as I did. And people didn't. And <laughs> then finding that community when they did was like life changing. I was just like, holy, yeah. holy geez. I don't have to pretend to know about NFL football anymore. You know, like right. I can go talk about the thing that I know and understand. And, and I think that was a big part of it. It was like finding a community of people. Yeah. yeah. It's like when Millhouse meets the Millhouse from Shelbyville. And that's, yeah. that's what that was like for me, I think. Maybe. Synergy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, got whoa, it. this guy is my guy. Yeah. You know, when I think yeah. about car, I'm a huge car nut too, but it's almost, I think you're going to find it easy to judge me here. So I, uh, my dad was like a major car nut, like lift out the engine for something to do on the weekend. And like, he'd buy old cars, fix them up, sell them. He was amazing. Bondo, painting, uh, all the mechanical work. He was, he was quite incredible. Even upholstering, like he, <laughs> my first car, he completely reupholstered by hand, this little Toyota for me, Ooh. uh, uh, it was actually a Toyota Corona Deluxe. And, oh, that's uh, a good whip right yeah, there. Good, I like that for you. 72. Oh. It was a beaut. And uh, I got I drove that when I was 16. Anyway, the the but but also I remember my dad swearing a lot when he did all this stuff, and he was always angry. So I was like, ugh, that doesn't sound fun. But the way I do love <laughs> the way I do love cars is is watching cars. So I uh, I love racing games on my ps5 i play f1 i play gran turismo um, and i love setting it up in simulator mode so the damage is real and i love this sound of cars like when i'm watching the intro like i just get shivers just listening to the sound of cars um and i just love it and I've, i have been on two pit crews of of local stock cars but my okay. extent, my extent is uh, changing tires and tire pressures because I don't know anything else because I didn't help my dad <laughs> with the mechanical parts. I think this shows the diversity of cars. I love cars in an absolutely completely different way than you do. But I yeah. absolutely love cars. I mean, look, there's some overlap there. I grew up with Gran Turismo, so I get that. Mm -hmm. That's like your in first probably big step into yeah. Hey, I'm going to customize this car and make it do a thing that it shouldn't. Like, hey, here's a blank canvas. I get to make <laughs> it be whatever I want. And that is part of it. Uh, so I don't customize like, it. Benny, I do not use the oh, customized no. well, car. I do time trials. I do okay. uh, racing. I try to get my license uh, maxed out. And I'm talking this week, not when I was a kid. This oh, week, right, right. Benny. Yeah. So you're in there, though, and they give you I'm all the there. credits. And after you race a car, so you get your license and you're like, go race in this series. You're <laughs> never right. like, I should take a, I should never take this car and, you yeah. know, make it a little bit better. No, you're just like, no, the cards I've been dealt are the cards that I'll play with. Yeah. That's yeah. admirable. I'm just looking for the unfair advantage. Give me all the horsepower. And right. yeah, that was my strategy when I was a kid. Uh, hilariously, I'm also not super mechanical. There's a part of being from the prairies, I think, where you kind of have to be out of like just sheer resourcefulness. Yeah. Uh, I saw a meme on the internet and I thought it was really funny because people sent it to me because they know I'm from the prairies. And yeah. it was apparently in Ontario and it was a guy who had <laughs> his car had broke down in Ontario, like on the side of the highway and the not like, you know, the not nice, like, going to Manitoba yeah, yeah, and yeah. he had built an engine hoist out of like sticks and was doing an engine swap on the middle of like on the side of the road. And the caption was 
the extent, and he had a Sask license plate, but the caption was the extent that people from the prairies will go to, to not call a tow truck. And I was like, that's exactly it. The extent of not towing your car is like, and that's a bit car guy as well, but there is a a level where car guys are like, I just got to get it home. You know, if I can get Uh, it home, I can fix it there. But so yeah, I'm, I'm not mechanical. I, I, I tried. I got friends that are way better at it than I am. What I do have is a Bachelor of Fine Arts in film. So that came in handy because yeah. uh, if car guys are anything, they are probably a little bit egotistical, quite a bit egotistical yeah. and vain. So they yeah. love to see photos of their car either sitting there <laughs> doing the thing that they love or, you know, or just anything about their car. Yeah. You go to a car event after always it's like did anyone get photos of this car did anyone right. get photos and so i i saw the gap there and i took yeah. that gap i was like oh okay i'm not the best driver out of my friends i don't have the money to like tow yeah. a car across province to go to different racetracks what i can do is sit shotgun and like use a camera and that yeah. is exactly what i did so that became like my kind of existence in the car yeah. world well and that takes us kind of to this next piece, which is I was thinking about this road trip that you went on recently. And I remember you being quite jazzed about about this road trip. Um, but yeah. I also think I also think talking about this road trip will help us triangulate on a particular area of car culture, because I think what we've done so far is clearly exposed that there's a lot of ground that we could possibly cover here. But if we were mm-hmm. to kind of triangulate on um, this road trip, I think this will give us some directionality about like, what are we actually talking about? What type of car culture yeah. are we talking about? So could, yeah. you, could you tell us what kind of car you were road tripping with and a little bit about that trip, just to help us all understand <laughs> where does where does Benny's heart get going, yeah. get pumping? Well, yeah, where's my heart? Hey, uh, yeah. so uh, we could even do it continue to do the uh definition by fast and the furious which would tear me apart and if you were to assign a fast and the furious movie to me it would begrudgingly be tokyo drift so uh i am yeah (laughs) woo the one that has none of the major characters in it you know uh no i am very much into drifting and Mm -hmm. i could uh, whack poetry for hours about what a drift car should be and what it should look like and the school of thought behind it but anyway we'll try to avoid that and i'll describe the 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 trip that i went on so first of all motorsports in the u.s are just a bigger deal as uh, i've come come to grips with this yeah you know if i lived if I lived an hour and a half south of where I live now, my life would probably be mildly different yeah. when it comes to car culture. It wouldn't be yeah. so much like an all-time uh, consuming hobby. It would probably be like a career. But it yeah. isn't, and I live here, and that's great. So uh, in the U.S., there's a drift organization. They're based out of Texas. They're called Lone Star Drift. Imagine that. Uh, and they organize a thing called Drift Week. And what Drift Week is, it's based on this old muscle car thing called Drag Week, which is Drag Racing Week. Mm-hmm. I've I use the short form for that, and people are like, I need you to go on a little bit. You know, like when you say <laughs> drag, do you mean like RuPaul's drag? And I was like, no, 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 no. That's race cars. Both are great. <laughs> it was that. Um, yeah. And the idea is you take your race car and you drive it across country. So they make a they say, hey, we're going to go to five different racetracks. You have to street drive your race car from these different tracks. Now, for us, what that looked like was we drove my friends. Uh, so it's a Japanese model. It's a Toyota Altezza, which mm. translates to a <laughs> Lexus IS 300. But it's been mm-hmm. it's right hand drive. It's bright yeah. pink, has three spoke wheels on it. It's fairly low to the ground, has an inline six turbo, you know, so like for the we we drove this car 18 hours to to Arizona. So we street drove this kind of like race ish car to Arizona yeah. just to begin the track, just to begin drift week. We drove all the way down there. And then, yeah, we traveled from Arizona to LA and we did three racetracks in LA and then we drove to Vegas for a photo shoot because remember what I said, car guys yeah. love 
photo shoots. <laughs> and then uh, and then we drove to Utah, then to Boise, then to Portland, and then back home. So that was 18 days on the road in a uh, in a drift car. You know, and you know, it, it was pretty funny. It was a really great time. Lucky that I work at a place that allows me to take time off to do stuff like that. So that was really yeah. great. I think that really kind of narrows it in. I could go further yeah, and does. be like, ah, oh, I know. hey, like yeah. that's one style of drifting, but the <laughs> style of drifting that really, uh, really yeah. gets me going. But anyway, yeah. Drifting, yeah, I think so. Is this like modified cars and drifting? Is this what is this fair for me to use that language or am I insulting you in some way? No, that's perfect. That's fair. All <laughs> that's right. Amazing. Yes. So what makes it different from other automotive culture subcultures? Like you talked about the, the, the drag racing one, muscle cars, these sorts of things. What makes this uh, uh, modified car drifting community uh, different for you? What attracts you to it? All right. So the one that I'm specifically into isn't. So there is like pro drifting. You can be a professional yes. drifter in the U.S., you know, and they are on this. They are all sponsored by energy drinks, but that is mm -hmm. a different world and it's very competitive. That's very like Americanized. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I'm into, I would like it on a good day to skateboarding. Uh, mm -hmm. But then it also often gets like into like figure skating. Uh, so it's not about competition in the world that I exist in. It's kind of like, like-minded people come together, do the thing on the track. Most people are there to like support the other person. Yeah. You're there to drive with your friends, not against your friends. I'm pretty into a thing called team tandem. So that's like you actually assemble your own team. And the whole point isn't like, oh man, watch me out drive the other person on the track mm -hmm. with me. It's like, how do I exist on the track? How do we do this together to be the make it look the best you know like mm -hmm. how do you drive in sync with each other how do you figure yeah. out who's going to lead who's going to follow and and when you get into that you get into you can get into like seven car trains going down the track and you're trying to figure you know like it's wow it's a thing to watch now when the car is modified to an aesthetically pleasing uh point yeah man it's nothing else like it you're just like yeah. holy geez these people are taking <laughs> what might be like a 10 footer show car yeah. And running running a wall with it, and you're like, well, they're really just risking everything because they, yeah, just do it because they love it. You know, nobody's right at the time. Nobody was making money off of it. Right. People I think of now figured out how to make money off of it with YouTube and stuff. But yeah, yeah. you're um, you know, you're you're just making me think that there's something deeper about this, maybe, and I might be totally wrong here. So you're making me think that um, there's maybe something deeper here, like um, uh. And, and I might not be on the right track here, Benny, but I'm wondering if there's a, an experience or a story that comes to mind that maybe exemplifies the impact or significance of of this modified car drifting culture on people's lives. Or is it not that big? It's just is, is it not at that level? Maybe it's just no, let's just get out there, burn some energy and hang out with some people. Is there something bigger to it uh, that you've noticed? Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, for sure. I think it's not so much that. I think it can mm. be, for better or for worse, all-consuming. Like, you can find a way to make your entire life about the thing. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people... It's kind of hard to be, like, a, a fair-weather drifter or even car guy because you get into it and you're like, oh, this is actually incredibly dumb. Like, I'm spending so much money... <laughs> The ROI, I feel, yeah, I, you know, I, I, it feels, it feels great, but like, uh, you know, I'm leading up to the event, I'm stressed out, I'm trying to get things together, uh, getting there, if something breaks while you're there, it's a, there's a lot of peaks and valleys when you, when you do this. Uh, so, yeah, you can't be fair weather about it. So I don't think, you know, the people that have really stuck it out. Um, I, I think they really, I just fully embrace it. I have friends that uh, actually like own businesses that make aftermarket performance parts for, uh, for Toyotas, right? So they found uh, a way to make their life, you know, like 
we often joke, it's like, how do you uh, make sure you never give up on your love of cars? And their answer is just tether your entire livelihood to it. So there's no way that you can. Right. But (laughs) but, yeah, my one buddy uh, was fairly like successful in being a uh, he was an arborist. He was making good money. He could live that life. You know, he had essentially more money than he had time to do anything with it. Like weekends would come up. He'd be like, I can't because I'm working. And he walked away from all of that so that he could start a business with his business partner to Mm. build aftermarket performance parts. And now he kind of pursues the thing that he loves. And that is the person that I went on drift week with. He loves driving. I love doing media. We, you know, so there was that we made videos, use that to promote their business, take photos. So I think, yeah, most people that I know also generally probably a side note, I think there aren't a ton of like white collar people in my in my interest. I am. Um, yeah, it's me and another buddy and he rebuilds Japanese wheels and. He doesn't like me telling people where he works, so yeah. I won't. But and yeah, and it's a lot of people that are actually very close to it all the time. Like it's so, yeah, it's kind of tricky. I don't know if I really answered your question. Maybe I just told you some stories that don't make sense. And I'm not sorry for it, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you, you told me is uh, this is really meaningful for people that are in it. And this is important. And they they're making choices to uh, really invest themselves in this. So that's that's quite beautiful, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think they're not that, always the best choices, but okay, go on. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that. Yeah, we all make choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're just choices. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I think this will probably flip us into the media side, but uh, I'm thinking about, um, if you think about the wider audience of, of yeah, I, I don't know. Society sounds really large, but is I, I guess is this just for automotive enthusiasts, or is there broader relevance or significance uh, to this culture that you're in to uh, to other uh, people not in the culture that we're just not aware of, or is it just for you folks? <laughs> no, I you know it's funny. I would probably there's a point, and I would say uh, there are uh, a group of people that would say it is just for us folks. But I don't know if we're there anymore. And even like kind of, even though you said, you know, like you probably haven't. Have you ever played a video game where you drift in it, Clayton? Oh, yes, it's the worst. I, still <laughs> yeah, can't, I just can't I figure can. it out. Yeah, me neither. Got to get that. You're just worried about the time trials, which I, I you know, yeah. I appreciate that. No, no, yeah. no. Um, yeah. So it is funny. I'm going to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to flip this on you. I'm going to ask you a question. Do, do you think that like muscle cars now, like, are they just pertain to car, like the car world or do they have like a, you know, do they have a bigger influence on, on, for lack of a better term, society? Oh, well, you picked muscle cars, which is probably one of the most contentious areas to go just because of the, you know, environmental concerns and the right, right. kind of, you know, the, but yeah, um, that is a really interesting uh, question because I'd have to say, and, and reflexively, I'd have to say yes, um, because they're just kind of a reflection of the ability to uh, realize that not everything you do has to have a deep, deep meaning. Uh, like buying a muscle car um, is not um, um, something that really would most people would call a good decision, <laughs> but but. <laughs> But but a lot of us do it because they are amazing. There's something uh, I didn't have a muscle car, but I did have an Acura TL Type S, and it was unreal to have that sort of power and speed available to me. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's say let's say maybe these muscle cars are just a reflection of uh, not everything we do has to make total sense. But sometimes we just do things that that uh, add something to our lives that uh, uh, and allow us to express ourselves or uh, represent ourselves a little bit. But uh, that's how I might look at it. All right. Okay. So I'm going to go in a different direction. (laughs) No. uh, So I would say there was a point where you could walk into an old Navy and there was probably a T-shirt that had like an old Trans Am on it, you know, and it'd be like or or a Mustang and a Shelby Mustang and. Mm There's something, you know, you have America, 
George Lucas, you got American Graffiti, predate Star Wars, you know, muscle muscle cars, hot rods. That's right. Help define a part of the culture. It's kind of like the outlier, maybe a little bit of mm-hmm. the rebelly part. You know, the uh, uh, I got a I got a friend who says that everybody's always trying to round the edges off of everything. And when mm-hmm. you look at car culture, that's the opposite of it. That's people that aren't trying to round the edges off of it, oh, trying yeah. to make it. But so I think there is something appealing about that. And then it enters in the mainstream. Now, that's muscle cars. However, I am now a I'm going to be 39 next week. I'm now a 39 year old. I've been at this for like 20 some years. What I'm realizing is that my culture, which was meant to be like the counterculture of muscle cars, has now just become muscle cars. You go to a Zoomies <laughs> and they got a picture. There's this uh, YouTube celebrity. His name's Adam LZ, Adam LZ mm-hmm. for the Canadians listening. Yeah. And he is, they sell his clothing there. His whole thing is he was a BMX YouTuber who then turned into a drifter. And mm-hmm. it's the way that uh, YouTube and content creation has like influenced everything about Drifting culture, import car culture is wild. Now I see teenagers wearing shirts, like T-shirts that had cars on it from when I was, you know, like in my heyday. Like, oh, there's an Acura Type R on there or, you know, like whatever on their T-shirt. Yeah. And then, so there is this very weird overlap of, yes, I do think uh, that cars can mean something and that culture can mean things to other people. Now there's varying degrees of it. It's not an on-off switch. Obviously, yeah. the scene has has tourists that come in, do it for a bit, and then bounce because it's an awful financial, you know, choice. But <laughs> yeah, I do, I do think that there is something there, and I I don't know what it is, but yeah, like mm-hmm. it, it is weird realizing now that I'm. I don't want to say it this way, but I will. Uh, that I'm like the boomer. It's like, ah, back yeah. in my day, those cars were dirt cheap. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. I'll just yeah, put on my new balance great. shoes and hit the brakes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your 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 Patagucci vest. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get. I take a lot of heat when I wear my Patagucci vest in the car seat. Just do. so you know. <laughs> not not for that world. It isn't. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, uh, let's turn to um, the media side of it a little bit more specifically. So, in your your car culture um, hobby or hobby plus, uh, could you give us kind of a behind the scenes look at like what sorts of experiences you've had doing car media? Like on this road trip, you said you you know you describe yourself as the guy on the riding a shotgun. What is uh, what's that like? What, what goes on? Uh, what is that like? Okay, I'll weave it into a narrative. No, um, sure. I <laughs> years ago I worked at Jump.ca. I sold cell phones. This was after the movie industry in Saskatchewan went uh, belly up. And now, if you've been paying attention, you would know that I said I had a a bachelor of fine arts in film production, yeah. and I couldn't find work, so I worked at a Jump.ca. But in order to keep myself busy and do things that meant something and like be creative, I started a car blog with my friends. And in the beginning, there was a bunch of it, bunch of us. We called it Dota Logic. Uh, mm. In Saskatchewan, it became like kind of a thing. At some point, we ran the biggest car meet in Saskatchewan for a few years. People would come from out of province. And yeah, it was all about like publicizing local car culture. So mm. That was kind of the humble beginnings through that. I I don't know. I just dedicated a lot of time to pursuing it. I kind of always felt, because, like, look, realistically, if someone offered me probably, like, the same amount of money that I make now to be like, hey, you want to you wanna go make car content all the time? It would be pretty mm-hmm. tough to say no. Mm-hmm. Although now I would need benefits and, and retirement. Yeah, getting old is weird. Yeah. But anyway, did, young did me was all yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, younger me was all he was all in. Uh, anyway, I would spend a lot of my vacation time, <clears throat> free time, pursuing things that I knew that were uh, of cultural relevance. So we would go to the trade show for aftermarket parts. It's called SEMA. The blog that I ran became like an official media outlet that they recognized. So that was helpful. 
from there, I was able to actually go shoot like professional drifting events in the Un- United States of America. So, you know, being mm-hmm. on the other side of the fence, taking photos is, is, I don't know, just a, a great kind of like thing, the privilege, I guess I'd say, or, you know, mm-hmm. gift that I was given through this being that close to things. Uh, so yeah, I've done professional drifting coverage. Uh, what else? Ken Block, who recently yeah. just passed away, uh, <laughs> For Jim Connor, the one in San Francisco, I kind of like stuck my way on to that set and wow. was like taking photos. So I was in San Francisco when he was filming it. Wow. Uh, funny story, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, so I always carried an S- a DSLR camera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the crew, they were like a real crew. And they were, you know, there's a dude there that was running crew for that that had like a Christopher Nolan Batman hat on. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. you were on that and you're here? Damn. Yeah. And but yeah, they were like, anyone oh, okay, all the media people, like come out and like let's get photos. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm a media guy. So like I'm out <laughs> on the street taking photos of Ken Block and his family and like the whole crew. He's standing on the roof of his car and yeah. and and it's funny now, those productions, I know people that work on those productions because like mm-hmm. the car media world's fairly small-ish. So like the dudes that live in the US that are really good at it. Yeah, they all like kind of work on the Hoonigan slash Jim Connor productions. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I got to do that. Oh, what else? Man, I've spent so many hours watching those Hoonigan videos. Oh, yeah. It's just a level of, you know, I also love driving personally. Like I love mm-hmm. just the feeling of knowing where my car is and knowing where I can fit and where I can't. And just, I just love that little technical part of it. And then of course, yeah. You know, can block twenty levels up from any normal person that you know who could drive a car really well. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, if anybody hasn't watched that stuff, if you want to see just an expression of a person uh, uh, having the car just be an extension of their body, that Ken Block is uh, is an absolute legend and that stuff. And uh, kind of weird how he he's snowmobiling, and that is how he ends up. Um, I feel like that's how it always goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's always like an extreme sports person is doing something else. It's like they were scuba diving or like, you know, and it's like, it's never the thing that you expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is wild, but yeah, I mean, and so that's the thing is like spent a lot of time at like some of the premier grassroots drift events. Uh, at one point my, the blog that me and my friends ran were like one of the sponsors for those events. Mm. Uh, we sold merch all over the place and then you got to find ways to keep reinventing yourself. And, and the older I got, it was kind of like, ah, you know, this isn't really serving a purpose. But then, like I said earlier, my friends that produce or manufacture aftermarket car parts, they had a need for, some of my skill set. So then we, during the pandemic, we started a podcast, which is mm-hmm. 70 some episodes deep. We've uh, started like creating YouTube content. I still do photography. That still takes me places. And mm-hmm. I feel like for me, the ultimate goal was always to not have to pay to travel, like go to the places, see the things, but not have to pay for it. And you know, so I'm hopefully getting closer and closer to that. Like my, the, what I'm on the hook for now is always a little bit less and less, which is really nice. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just kind of being, I've, I've always been like in the, the seven, is it seven degrees, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Seventy. I've <laughs> always been seven degrees. I've always been like maybe two degrees away from like whatever the very cool thing is, you know, which is also a fun place to be where it's kind of like, Hey, that guy that's doing that thing. I know him. I slept on his floor, you know, like the guy who, uh, one of the hosts that's hosting, uh, the hot wheel show on NBC right now on Peacock. I slept on his floor once, you know, like that's a funny (laughs) anecdote. Uh, I went to a car show with my daughter this weekend and the guy who ran the car show I've helped with things saw me and he was like, this guy doesn't have to pay. And I was like, Hey, Hey June, did you hear that? I don't have to pay to get into this, you know, like, and like trying to like instill some sense of like meaningful thing onto my daughter of what I've spent so much of my time doing. But yeah, Yeah. I, I would say I, 
I always say, you know, I have this funny story when being at work, sitting around the lunch table and talking to people. And they were always under the impression that I didn't like to travel. You know, they've always had been somewhere like wild. They had seen a thing. And, oh, but, you you know, Benny, you don't really like to travel. And I was like, no, like, I really like to travel. Just not to the things that you like to travel to. Mm-hmm. I like to go see the thing that, like, you know, and I kind of distilled it down to it's. I'm going to go see the thing that maybe a couple hundred or a couple thousand people will see happen in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go to a drift track. It'll be something magical there will happen. And, you know, there's only going to be a couple thousand people that were there to be in that, you know, to to bask in the glory of whatever mm-hmm. was happening. And, you know, that it's not permanent. It doesn't last forever. And, you know, you can't go see it whenever you want. It's not the Coliseum. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a thing that is temporary that you yep. gotta work real hard to get to so then yeah I, I, wow i think that's how i measure it ephemeral that's interesting yeah. i um you know you you talked earlier about you know your three um the three parts of your life um you're kind of also hinting it not hinting you're talking about being the the 39 boomer of the of the <laughs> how, how is yeah. uh how how have you what have you taken from that part of your life and 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 integrated into the other parts of your life? And how's that how's that been meaningful to the overarching narrative of your of your life? Hey, Clayton, that's a really good question. Uh, um, how has that affected the rest of my life? I would say, off the top of my head, for better or for worse, it's because when I do car stuff, I get to do it the way that I do want to do it. As I said earlier, there's a mild to extreme level of egotism in the car world. There just has to be. It's like, for the most part, a bunch of like (laughs) dudes just trying, you know, like everything's a measuring stick. Who has the most Mm -hmm. horsepower? Whose car is the lowest? Blah, blah, blah. Who does this? Who does that? Uh, And it instills a sense of confidence. Now, I wouldn't say that like I have the most confidence when it comes to everything. I will downplay most things that I do or try to find ways to improve it. But I do find that because I've always had car stuff, whenever I was presented with like a barrier in other parts of my life where maybe it's like, hey, that sounds fine, but we're not going to do that. Or, hey, not that idea, Ryan or Benny, that those two versions of myself, I can go do that in my own world. So it gives me like in the car world, Mm. I have a little bit more like control over over what's going on. And so in that way, it gives me experience, you know, like, yeah, I went to film school, but realistically I hated touching a camera in film school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just didn't want to do that. And then when I left film school and we started doing drift stuff, I watched other people make drift videos and they weren't like, they weren't trained in it. And I was like, Hey, you know, like I might be your guy to do this. So, you know, it like was kind of the, uh, it was kind of like the confidence part to be like, oh, I can be the guy to do that thing for you. Like, I'll do it, you know, maybe mildly begrudgingly, but like that's kind of the uh, kind of the territory I like to be in. I like to be mm-hmm. the person that'll do the thing for you because it has to be done. And that's a lot of that existence. And mm-hmm. cars has always given me the access to like refine those skills, I think, because otherwise, if you're sitting around waiting for people to OK something or get on board or, you know, trying to, trying to convince them of a thing, you might not get it. But in that world, the barrier of entry to go create the thing that you want to create is way lower. And, and then if it hits, it hits. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you move on. I guess there's lower stakes as well, which is nice. No, right. But yeah, it sounds like a serious impact on your, on the other two facets of your life. Uh, A, getting a a place to express yourself, getting a a place to have more influence and control over the outcomes and even what projects you take on um yeah you get to explore and understand yourself a little bit better over there and then apply some of that to the rest um that's pretty fascinating i don't know if i would have expected that did you would you have expected that uh i mean i expect the unexpected no i don't know i Yeah, I think to a degree, because the other side of it, Clayton, though, I will say this is that uh, 
if I spend too much time in the car world, my like work friends will be like, oh, you've been hanging around car people too long because there's like yeah. a mild shift in the way. And then vice versa. If I spend too much time in like office world and I go hang out with my car friends, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can tell you work in HR. And I'm like, I don't work in HR. Stop saying I work in HR. <laughs> you just can't. You can't say those things. Years 2023, right. you know? Uh, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's a, it's a very fine balance. Like I said, made the mistake of wearing the Patagonia vest and then it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Lesson learned. If you're to think about that. No, (laughs) if you're to think about a broader audience. Um, so media obviously is, you know, when you're doing media and you described a, a variety of different formats of media that you, um, you know, you create, um, is there a broader audience that you're trying to reach or are you really just reaching the, the the car group? And if there was a message to a broader audience, is there something that might spark interest or connections beyond the immediate enthusiasts? Is there something about the car world that the rest of us don't understand that we might benefit from? I don't know. Am I trying to? You know, honestly, no, I'm not. I'm just like... I'm just out here trying my best, you know, trying, trying to be the best car media person that I can be. Is there a thing that you can in the meet, would you say like in the media world to convey to the, to everyone else, or just from my perspective as being a media person? Right. So I guess what I'm getting at here is, uh, is there something about the car world that, um, non-enthusiasts would benefit from if they were just aware of? Ah, I'm going to I'm going to take like a few steps back because I think this is a good a good direction. And it kind of leads me to a thing that I want to ask you about. Um, It's if you strip down everything out of all of what we're talking about, you're just dealing with somebody who is super passionate about something. Right. Like and Mm -hmm. that then can be put onto anything. Right. There is you got (laughs) sneakerheads. They are out there collecting shoes. You got mountain bikers. You got people that collect typewriters, if I'm not mistaken. Is that? Uh, yeah. And <laughs> there's a, a thing. Yeah, you know a guy. And it's like, what is the thing? You know, like, and so I guess if I were to ask you that question back, do you have like an answer for that? Because like to me, and I would love to hear your answer, because like mm-hmm. it's infinitely intriguing to me whenever someone's into anything, like whatever it is, if they're into it, I love it because like I've spent years trying to trying to find ways to describe my hobby without saying Tokyo Drift, you know, without saying Fast and the mm-hmm. Furious. So I just love the parallels between it. So I think like there's there's probably something there, you know, maybe we can all live together in harmony if we just yeah. took a moment to understand. But yeah, like what do you think? So you got you're into typewriters, right? I've known you for a few years. You've had different yeah. interests. Clayton used to be uh, a beer drinker, aficionado, <laughs> yeah. coffee aficionado. Yeah. And you got typewriters. You got antique typewriters. What mm-hmm. is it about typewriters that that draws you in? And then how would you answer that question? Oh, dude, you know what? I uh, every, I honestly think it's all about community. I think that the it sounds counterintuitive to say typewriters are about community because you type alone, but I use typewriters to reach out to people. I use typewriters to send uh, birthday notes to people. Uh, So I use typewriters to let a person know that I'm thinking about them and also trying to create. So so there's that human connection that I love. It builds a little community. Oh, this is a person that has me on their mind. Uh, I also love the 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 tactile experience that that I create for people when they receive a letter in the mail. It's so anachronistic. Mm. Like it is anachronistic, and people, um, I have never once received a letter back. I have gone so far as to send self-addressed stamped envelopes with my letters and a piece of paper, and I've never, except for my granddaughter, she sent me a letter back, but that was oh, that's nice. That was pretty adorable. But I've never received a letter back, um, and I find that funny. But I do see people posting on Facebook about this letter they received. And I think that's weird. But anyways, the, hmm. the, the punchline here is 
community. And I also think that that's what I hear in yours. I, I yeah. In your story, I hear community and belonging and involvement. And, and you're using something nerdy to be a part. You're, you're being nerdy about something to be a part of it. Uh, to to build community, and I think that is the underlying yeah. hum, human element: is that we all want to belong, we all want to be around people where we feel safe and comfortable, and we we have this psychological safety where we can share our ideas and experiment, and the risk of feeling and looking stupid is extraordinarily low because we're all experimenting and we're all just trying to figure shit out. So this is actually a narrative that's going on in my head all along yeah. as you're talking. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is about community. <laughs> this is about <laughs> finding people that 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 have uh, uh, common goals, common interests, or whatever it is, and being with them and getting energy from them, but also contributing energy to the community. And I that's um, that I think is the connective tissue between my interest in typewriters and your interest in cars. Hmm, let me think. Well, first, let me just say you're wrong. I just want to be loud and go fast. No, no, no. Fair <laughs> no, no, you're, I think, no, no, you're, I That's think why you're, I type uh, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think I was, for those that can't see it, because it's a podcast, I was pantomiming a typewriter. I don't know how that works. Um, so, yeah, I think that's actually a, that's a very, like, solid takeaway. I did have a point, and I thought it was really funny. You said you've sent these letters, and then, People have never written you back. And no. it kind of, as a guy who takes media, who does photos of cars, in for the most part, when you're at a car, when you're at a track doing a thing, people don't care about the media people when they're when they're there. No. You know, like, <laughs> but man, when yeah. it's over, they're like, oh, look at this thing I got from this person. You know, like I've, <laughs> you know, I've done a I've done a pretty good job of like infiltrating into like the overall thing where yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I, I I do see the similarity there. People will love to share the story, but yeah, the effort it takes to write back, they're like, well, I got things. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really, that is a really good way to look at it. I think the other thing you said is like about the nerdy part, which is funny because I think any, for anybody to be into anything more than on just like a surface level, Mm -hmm. requires that that nerdism if you will like yep. the guys who race cars you can talk about how macho it is or alpha male or whatever they want to sure. be and sure, sure. all that stuff but when you boil it down they're nerding out about their tire pressure they're like camber what their engine's yep. doing if they're not they're not being a good driver if they're not thinking about those things yeah, uh, they're not doing it right. You know, like that's kind of the thing. And so, yeah, it is about community. I, you know, and that is a thing that probably oh, I overlooked. I often write when I write articles or talk about things. And as people are, they're often very negative about things. It's very easy to be hypercritical. And I always <laughs> ask people, you know, the op opposing thing. It's like be part of the change that you want to see, which sounds dumb in the car world but it's like hey <laughs> you didn't like that car show because you didn't think the cars were weren't cool enough right then build a car put it in and make it better you know like right. or people yeah. can only do so much and you gotta you gotta be a part of it to help like lift that thing up and be better and that was a uh, uh, yeah that's the other part of of that so not only is it about community i think it's also about like trying to make sure that community exists stays healthy uh, stays strong uh, yeah, and sometimes that means I argue with people on the internet. Sure, who doesn't, you know? But <laughs> probably not a lot of people. But uh, yeah, it just comes with the territory. And yeah, I think, hmm, good point. We'll just put your point in and then that'll be yeah. the end. And it'll be like, done. Clayton <laughs> wraps it up. Benny, I also, you know, what you're making me think about is a mindset. Um, you know, being a person uh, who positively contributes to that community and chooses in the moments, uh, instead of throwing shit, you can actually choose to just build a car and make that community what you, well, not make it what you want it to be, but contribute to it in the way that you want to and are able to. Yeah. That's such a beautiful mindset of, um, I guess, growth mindset, but the opposite is victim mindset. Oh, I hate, your cars aren't good enough. Wow. And then it's just like, 
okay, but what are yeah. you doing to help? And instead, they're you're throwing shit. Anyway, that's a nice uh, perspective too, like a much broader perspective that I think people can take away from our conversation today and and about our culture and the media around it, and you know, build a community and contribute to that community. And I love how you said, make sure that that community is still around and it survives and it thrives. Like, man, that is beautiful. I, that really hit me. I love it. Hey, All right. I got one last question for you. Do you have sure. a name for your podcast? What are you going to call it? Um, I don't. I think uh, what we'll do is we'll throw a couple of transcripts through ChatGPT and see what ChatGPT thinks we should call it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. I like that. It could yeah. be like, oh, never mind. I was like, I was thinking about it today and I was like, what about the art of dot, dot, dot? Or so, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, or it could be a pun. I like puns, but I just don't yeah. have a pun. So anyway, hey, we'll you know what? It was, it was great chatting with you today. What a treat. I agree. I really enjoyed it. Where can people find your work, Benny? Or do you want to not make well, that public? No, that's totally fine. Hey, if you liked listening to me ramble on like a wild person, you can uh, check out Serial Podcast 9 on Spotify or anywhere where great podcasts are found. Uh, we'll be sitting next to them as an okay podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, Dota Logic is the blog. Instagram is Dodo Ryan B, not Dodo. Dodor INB, as one of my former co-workers thought it was. Uh, yeah, or or you can just reach out to me on Slack and we can chat because I love that. That's awesome. Thanks for your time. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for making this uh, fun for me. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. Bye. Bye. You and I had quite a time talking about cars. Actually, uh, hilariously, this was a run-through for Clayton. It was a practice. And then I liked listening to myself talk so much that I uh, pushed Clayton to make it episode number one. Uh, no, but I think the real surprise here is maybe, just maybe, while we were learning about people that we work with, we also learned a little bit about the company and how we exist. So I don't know if we tricked you with our intro or not. I hope you don't feel tricked, but I hope if you had one takeaway from me is that if I still did a cultural ad interview today, I would hopefully still pass it is my my takeaway. Clayton showed me that this whole time I belonged and that's great. I was so enthralled with our conversation and I'm always looking for this big narrative and I, maybe I'm sorry about that, but maybe that's also why I want to do these interviews. But in this, in this conversation, we touched on uh, a myriad of things that actually really contribute to, I think, a wonderful experience in our companies and working here, you know, a growth mindset, you know, when I win, you win, uh, that we're contributing to solutions. You talked about that in the in the car community where you can point at something and make fun of it, but that's not really what you want to do. You want to be you want to point at something and say, "Well, I think uh, I can improve on that," and then you become part of the solution. And I thought that was really uh, really apropos of what we're trying to do. That passion for anything. Uh, allows you to contribute to a community and allows you to add energy to other people around you as you're solving problems as you're as you're working towards goals and that so cleanly lines up with what we're trying to do a real is, need to we moment i believe is what we're looking for <laughs> anyway right it is yeah that is you know as one of our principles is me to we that is this cyclical process of of uh, building community at the same time as you're benefiting from that community. Anyway, yeah, I thought yeah. the conversation really hit on a, a bunch of the uh, the principles and values that we hold uh, dear in this company. I learned something about myself today, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you did, Clayton. You really, uh, it was like, it's almost like you're a coach and you made someone realize some things about themselves, which I really appreciate. So, you know. Coach Clayton doing things. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that was our first go at this. And if you stuck it out all the way through, man, do I appreciate you. If you have any questions, follow-up questions, comments, concerns, 
if you want me to talk less or more, whatever, uh, shoot us a message on Slack. If you're going to praise us, by all means, praise us in public. If you are going to criticize us, just do it in private. Just I can't stand to see it on a public forum. Uh, I'm not brave enough yet. Anyway, so we will be back. We have uh, we got a few great episodes coming up. So Clayton's chatted with a few people, uh, some of those people being Natasha was going to talk about DEIB, which is really great and insightful. Clayton has a very productive conversation with uh, someone that I'm not entirely too sure how well he knew them beforehand, but uh, her name is Rhonda Caswell. So, you know, they mm-hmm. they really just seem to have a lot of chemistry, and I love that for them. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, again, thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you, or at least you come back and listen again next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Benny. Hey, thanks, Clayton. Unpacking Chrysalis, the art of being human.